Hello, and welcome to the Green Tea Party, where we discuss conservative solutions to environmental problems. I'm Hannah Rogers. My name is Zach Torpy. And I'm Katie Zakreski. Together, we'll guide you through complex issues and provide strategies to address them. All while remaining faithful to our conservative values. Trust me, it'll be a good time. Yeah, it's a party, so grab your mugs and we'll pour the tea. The radio has been playing Christmas music for an obnoxiously long time now. And I know I'm gearing up for some of my favorite holiday foods and holiday traditions, which will be obviously full of pierogies and sauerkraut and sausage and everything from Eastern Europe you can think of. What about y'all? What are y'all's Christmas traditions? Well, my family also eats a lot of Eastern European food. Mm. So that's so funny because I've never met anyone else that eats Eastern <laughs> European food there on Christmas and Thanksgiving. Oh, for sure. We got it. We got it in the bag. <laughs> Zach, what about you? What have you got going on? Well, usually I go to my sister's this time of year in Queens and she always makes a different theme of what kind of food we're going to be eating. And she's an amazing cook and very well cultured. But I am not going home this year because I've spent so much on flights already this year. Oh, well, I'm going to come hang out with y'all because it sounds like y'all have multiple meals planned and I've just got my one. So <laughs> I'm going to be, uh, Zach, I will make up for any flights you do not take. Um, <laughs> you guys ever think about the irony of like having a holiday around gratitude and then following with a holiday around consumption? Do you ever think about that? I, I love that Black Friday is the day after you finish giving thanks and <laughs> like, spending time with your friends. Nothing like expressing your thankfulness by running over a complete stranger for a new TV. That Welcome to the West, <laughs> that, that for me is, I, I think that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> I swear, someone dies every year on Black Friday and I'm like, I'm just going to hit that Cyber Monday deals. I'm not going to do a Black Friday shopping. Black Friday Friday should be like leftover Friday. That's what it should be. Everyone should eat their leftovers so that there's less food waste in the world. I like that. I like that. Mm. Everyone last like a week. (laughs) I mean, have you guys seen the movie The Christmas Story? Oh my god, I love Christmas Story. When he's like, he's like turkey cacciatore and turkey sandwiches. It was gone, all gone. No turkey, no turkey sandwiches, no turkey salad, no turkey gravy, turkey hash, turkey a la king, or gallons of turkey soup. Gone, all gone. This is not like every way to eat turkey leftovers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Everyone, you need to have some turkey cacciatore on the next day. That Figure out so every funny. new way you can eat turkey and do that. That is wonderful. So obviously this is the time of year when a lot of folks are talking about the latest cop event. As par with a lot of Christmas traditions, everybody knows if you're naughty, you get coal in your stocking. And unfortunately, it looks like you're going to find plenty of coal and other fossil fuels at this year's COP28 Climate Summit in Dubai, hosted by United Arab Emirates or UAE. Zach, I think you had a pretty fun prompt to get us going into this regarding true environmentalism. So. <laughs> So over under how many private jets are flying to this global I'm environmental say, meeting? <laughs> I'm saying over 75. <laughs> I don't even know how many people are attending. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say over 150. Mm. I don't know that we have an answer for that or that we will have an answer for that. <laughs> it's going to be a lot, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. let, me, let me see. Isn't just that ironic? Over 70,000. Okay, I would like to bump up. My new estimate. I'm going to say over 70,000 participants are expected to convene for COP28 
in UAE. So I'm going to go ahead and bump up my previous estimate. Um, that makes and me want to die. Yeah, I'm going to say a little over 68,000 private jets. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can get a widget going on the Green Tea Party Radio website that counts private jets, climate events. But for some of y'all who might not know a lot about COP28 or any of the other COPs for that matter, I'll give you a brief kind of background on what exactly these COPs are. And then a little bit about, you know, what what you can expect to see at this one, what makes this one unique. Katie, can I ask a question real first? Yeah, absolutely. What does COP stand for? You know what, Zach? I'm glad you've asked. It's Conference of the Parties, which is the supreme decision-making body of the United Nations Climate Change Convention. So a lot of these parties are world governments. It might also be think tanks, religious representatives, executives, CEOs, things of that nature. So the who's who of the the climate world. Right. So you heard that right. This world's annual climate summit, sponsored by the United Nations, is being held in the UAE, which has the third biggest plan in the world for oil and gas expansion. Friendly reminder that emissions from oil and gas operations alone account for a considerable chunk of the global total. Just taking oil and gas out of the ground and delivering it to consumers accounts for almost 15% of global energy-related emissions. So we're off to a great start. That'd be a problem, right, Katie? You know, like, yeah, you, there, you know, there's, there's not going to be, there's that, you know, I don't, I don't see the problem. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, last year's COP was in Egypt, so they didn't see a problem then either, it would appear. Um, (laughs) I do see serious problems with this. (laughs) Well, we're going to dive into that here in a little bit, gang. So a key task for the COP, whether it's 1 through 28 or whichever one, is to review a lot of the national communications and emissions inventories presented by these individuals or these groups or these parties that attend the COP. And based on the information provided by all the participants, the COP ends up assessing the effectiveness of the measures taken, they recognize any progress made, and then they come up with an objective for achieving next year's COP. And the COP meets every single year unless the parties decide to do otherwise. And the first COP meeting was held in Berlin, Germany in March of 1995. So the COP tends to rotate between the five recognized UN regions of Africa, Asia, Latin American, and the Caribbean, Central and Eastern Europe and Western Europe and what what they've classified as others. So a lot of these folks are usually the ones who host the annual COP. So you might be wondering what exactly do the diplomats at COP do each year? Well, it depends. Delegates from nearly every country on earth negotiate global goals for tackling climate change and represent their individual interests and their plans for contributing to these goals. So here's a brief rundown of some of the previous important COP decisions. COP21 in 2015, the Paris Climate Accords were adopted by 196 parties. And you've probably heard that phrase quite a bit if you're in the climate sector. There's been some contention with that back and forth here in the United States over the last few years. This was left under the Trump administration, but it was rejoined under the Biden administration. So emission targets for each nation were separately negotiated and they're voluntarily enforced. So the countries opt into doing it. And leading United States officials regard the Paris Agreement as an executive agreement rather than a legally binding treaty. So the U.S. is expected to reduce emissions by 28% to 34% below 2005 levels by 2030. So that's part of our goal as the United States whenever we attend these COP annual summits. So COP27 agreement to the establishment of the loss and damage fund ended up setting 
up a goal of raising $100 billion a year to support adversely impacted nations and provided financial assistance to the nations that were most vulnerable to be impacted by the effects of climate change. So what exactly can we expect at this year's COP? So plenty of environmentalists are worried about the influence of fossil fuels and fossil fuel nations on this year's conference and this year's conference resolution. And Hannah, that's something you mentioned, and we'll go into that here in just a little bit. So suspicions are high before the event even begins. But a lot of what they're hoping to discuss at this year's COP is fast-tracking the energy transition and slashing emissions before 2030 to limit the global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, putting nature, people, lives, and livelihood at the heart of climate action, mobilizing a more inclusive COP. So they're talking about collaborating with indigenous people and local communities to make sure that their interests are being taken into account and as well as delivering on old promises. A lot of think tanks are compiling reports and plans to help a lot of fossil fuel countries and individuals in the fossil fuel industry combat climate change without completely shutting down. And I have, we'll, we'll link one of those reports. Uh, one that I pulled in particular had a really good quote uh, from the International Energy Agency who said the following, quote, hosted by a major oil and gas producer, COP28 in the UAE is a unique opportunity to demonstrate a real commitment to cutting emissions. To support this, the IEA will publish a special report of head of COP28 that will help map out a path for oil and gas producers in the transition to net zero emissions, end quote. So a lot of think tanks are working on collaborating with fossil fuel industries and fossil fuel countries. This year's COP is also expected to provide an assessment of how countries are faring under the Paris Agreement that we mentioned that was initiated in 2015. And a lot of religious organizations are also playing a larger role. So you'll see Pope Francis will be there. He announced on November 1st on Italian media with over 4.5 million people watching the broadcast that he would be there. And there are also delegations of Episcopalians, interfaith organizations, the Muslim Council of Elders, the World Evangelical Alliance, and several others. So that's a lot to take in. The host of COP28 in particular, UAE, is part of OPEC and produces 3.2 million barrels of petroleum and liquids per day. And the COP28 president is the CEO of Abu Dhabi National Oil Company. He's the Minister of Industry and Advanced Technology of the UAE. And he's the founding CEO of Masdar, which is a renewable energy company based in the UAE. So, Hannah, to circle back to that million-dollar question, do we trust these folks? And do we yeah. think that this COP president is going to effectively lead and discuss important climate initiatives, Dr. Sultan Al-Jaber? No. Um, no. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I I just like it. It looks fishy. It smells fishy. It's kind of like, if it looks fishy, it smells fishy, it might it might be a fish, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's great deductive reasoning. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, you know, be presumptuous here, but he is, this. the president of the C- COP28 is the CEO of an oil company, right? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing that? And right. it, not just an oil company, but one of the oil companies with the like biggest expansion planned in the next five years. Yeah, like third largest in the world. I'll so, tell you guys, when I was reviewing this script, my knuckles were so white. <laughs> I hate to tell you that. And I was shaking my fist at the UAE. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of times this is just kind of pageantry, if that makes sense, to avoid accountability. And so, of course, like countries like the UAE would be like, oh, we would love to host a conference of parties because 
they are very accountable for, you know, anthropogenic climate change because they're such a large oil producer. But if they're hosting COP, you know, it's, they're like kind of doing this, like, I guess this putting on this show that they actually care about climate change when if they did, they wouldn't be large oil producer, you know? Yeah. And I like even just doing a little bit of research before this episode, it looks like people are already so suspicious of the UAE for hosting this. I found an article from four months ago that Mm -hmm. said the UAE's state oil company has been able to read emails to and from the COP28 climate summit office and was consulted on how to respond to a media inquiry. So there's, (laughs) there's clearly a lot going on behind the scenes that can make you wonder you know, is this is this goodwill or like you said, Hannah, is this really just an attempt to go wink, wink, hey, Western countries, we care about read script climate change as well. So like, oh like, <laughs> like, I have to wonder, <laughs> like, is it like, is anybody falling for this? Like, at what point does what feels like foreign you know, policy performative art actually become making a difference? Like, does anybody who attends this? actually have faith that you'll do something or it's just like the met gala is what it feels like i mean Mm. i hate to say it but i kind of lost a little bit of faith and faith in the cop process years ago because you know like these people come together then very rarely do these promises that they make you know turn into something substantial and you know, the you how we're talking about how it's kind of like it's not all the treaties that we make at these cop conference of parties summits is they're not legally binding and we just kind of can pull out of them and do whatever we want with them and it's the same way with every other country it's just like you know we're giving each other high fives patting each other on the back dressing up nice taking our bougie you know private jets out there and then accomplishing virtually nothing and so i honestly this is one thing that makes me angry is it's like gosh at least save us the missions and do it on zoom yeah for real though (laughs) oh my gosh yeah like how how expensive you know what i'm gonna google that how much is a flight to uae like so clearly this is not like they can talk a lot about having indigenous communities and local communities and low-income communities represented but do if if these people cannot afford to even go <laughs> to wherever you're meeting to talk about equality and climate and things of that nature, then let's let's stop. <laughs> yeah, who who's actually getting to get their voice heard here is exactly. the big question. It was like, are we just getting the richest one percent who are invested in continuing the process of consuming oil and using fuels and the countries that are currently very invested in the way things are? Are they really going to push that much harder for? change in the energy future it's questionable Mm -hmm. it is very questionable hannah i'm glad that you mentioned like previous issues with cops because i don't know if y'all remember but i remember this because when i was in the comms department at citizens climate lobby what feels like a hundred years ago we were waiting on some of the folks who attended on behalf of ccl to report back to us and there had been such a delay Getting the summit started in the first day or two, they could not even agree on the agenda that they had to delay the end of COP27 by another 24 hours so that they would have enough time to write the closing resolution. Well, to play devil's advocate, this it is you are wrangling 196 countries, which 
probably disagree on so many different topics and climate change is so contentious. So it's very difficult to get progress in these, these conferences and these global attempts at global government where with non-binding agreements and it just seems like fluff. It seems like just things yeah. are trying to get on the CNN and speak. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. It's not like we don't know this happens every single year. Is there not a way to submit a Google form with like, <laughs> hey, we want to talk about these three issues as the country of Poland or whatever, and then be like, Gosh, okay, the Google form Poland. shows, <laughs> the Google form picked in order from most to least votes, the next seven agenda topics. If your topic didn't make it tough, try again next year. Like, like I just, like, we know it's going to happen. Do we really need to waste 48 hours doing is, what we know we're going to do anyway? Yeah, I just feel like it's so obvious to me that it's it's pageantry, if that makes sense. It's these, you know, very wealthy people and very powerful people playing the superhero role and then making themselves feel better as if they've actually accomplished something when really they just went to a very poorly organized conference, you know, talked. And I, I feel like speeches and, and negotiations only do so much. It doesn't mean they're not valuable, but really it just, it doesn't feel like it's as valuable as like, as we've been talking about on the show over and over and over again, like investing in local communities and investing in, you know, these small scale changes that really add up over time to create these large vectors of change, rather than having these elites fly out to this cop summit and then, you know, pander to the least common denominator, not accomplish anything, and then try to tell us what to do, you know, because right. they have no attachment right. to it at all. Right. <laughs> You know what, let's just see how much a flight to Dubai costs. Maybe I'm being petty. But I want to know, if I if I wanted to go to COP28 on behalf of Green Tea Party Radio, how much would it cost me? Oh, j- just a little over $3,000. <laughs> just for the flight? Yeah, let me, yeah, just for the flight. Not talking food or room and board. Let me whip out my handy-dandy checking account with three whole dollars in it. <laughs> see if I can attend COP28. But yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. And I think that that is an excellent segue into why should you, as a young environmental conservative, care about what goes on at COP? And to some extent, the pessimist in me wants to say, you shouldn't. It's a really good illustration of the world's rich and elite and powerful getting together to have a rant session about climate for two weeks. And some of them don't even care about that. But I think that this is a really good talking point for why it's important to worry about things at home. I think this is a really great opportunity for an America first mentality. And I would love to get y'all's opinion on this, but it seems like this has gone on for 28 years. Anything you do, you voluntarily opt into. There's no punishment for not participating. It looks good to participate. We can't control what everybody else does, but I don't think it's that great of a stretch of the imagination to say that if one of the world's economic superpowers uh, starts to leverage something like a carbon price and a carbon border adjustment, that other countries will start to follow suit. I feel like that would be more effective than 28 years worth of cop. Yeah. Yeah. Think, think globally, act locally. We got to push our own government, push our own local representatives and 
take action in our local communities to better tackle environmental issues. Whereas COP has had the Paris Climate Accords are probably the most successful thing COP's done. And even those are non-committal and the U.S. isn't going to meet targets. If you graded out what we're achieving versus what we promised, it came out we're getting about 69% of what we wanted to do. So we're getting like a D plus. Mm-hmm. Great, <laughs> and I think that that, and I mean, we can go back and forth all day long about whether or not I like Trump, not the point of the episode, but that was one thing that he did have a good point about. Anytime that the United States joins one of these big United Nations summits or an interglobal summit like this, a bunch of countries essentially show up and say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. United States, how much are you willing to fork over for us to make this a reality? Like at some point, when do we stop paying for everybody else to do stuff and say, actually, I think we would rather start at home and worry about the, our, our wheelhouse, which is again, economic levers prompted by legislation that holds you accountable, <laughs> that incentiv- incentivize what I'm going to call the big three, uh, China, India, and Russia. Those are the three countries that are always brought up. Well, instead of having an annual cop where we create probably a fourth of the emissions that <laughs> anybody else would see any other time of the year, we come up with an economic lever to make them do things instead of just saying they like the idea of doing things. You know what, Katie? I 100% agree because if we in the United States were actually doing the things that you know would mitigate anthropogenic climate change that are within our ability, we wouldn't have to you know put on our coattails and you know jet off and to the UAE every year or wherever else it's going to be hosted. Because we would already be doing enough for climate change here. You know, it would be exactly. very obvious that we cared about climate change. We would have to do this, all this lip service BS that we've been doing forever. And I'm tired of it. Right. And I think that if there's anything that young environmental conservatives should take away from all the hoopla surrounding any annual COP, it's that it's a show of goodwill. It illustrates the importance of working together across the aisle and beyond borders on climate change. Obviously, the United States alone is not going to solve the issue of climate change, but also let it serve as an example of maybe some of the things you shouldn't do, namely wasting a lot of time and money and carbon emissions to get together and say, yes, there's a problem. I know that we've talked a lot, even on this show in previous episodes, about the power of legislation And like the Environmental Provisions and the Inflation Reduction Act, not so much the rest of the Inflation Reduction Act because of how expensive it was, removing bureaucratic red tape and getting innovation going, letting an innovative capitalistic market incentivize people into making things better and making them more efficient, promising legislation in upcoming Congress that can really help the U.S. lead the way on a lot of these issues, maybe from a fiscal perspective. So obviously, you know, If it takes us, what, 12 months of the year almost to get legislation passed here and it only works half the time, respect to everybody on that, I don't know that we can fix the whole world in two weeks at COP. Let's just send out a Zoom link and you can either join as a participant or you can be an observer. I feel like it would be – I feel it would just be more effective if the US, the EU, China, and India got together and discussed things instead of having every country there because it's too many voices in the room. Right. It's impro- it's impossible to get a group project on with, like more than six people in the room. Like That's there's true. a limit yeah. <laughs> before oh, you yeah. have redundancy. As someone who's working on a group project right now, I agree. 
No shame oh, to my, yeah. my group project friends. Love you dearly. <laughs> there's always the one participant that carries it for everybody else. But I think there's another silver lining in all of this. And I've noticed this increasingly as I've, you know, in the background have gotten news alerts over the last few weeks. It seems like a lot of religious organizations are going, okay, we, we sat back for the longest and we hoped that the government would make something happen, wherever that is, whichever government mm-hmm. that is. Nothing happened. We are now going to get involved and we're going to start attending these events. And we're going to start reaching out to our, you know, our, our faithful and, and just like skip in the middleman. So I, I do think that there's a silver lining in here and that religious organizations provide a really efficient hierarchy for getting things done. Even if we're not talking about this from the religious perspective, let's be honest, a lot of religious organizations have a great business model. Otherwise they wouldn't still be in business. And I think that a lot of religious organizations have the advantage of not being limited by borders. And so, you know, when you've got somebody, and I I know I use the example, it's because I'm Catholic, when you've got somebody like the Pope who goes on Italian television and talks to 4.5 million people at once for free, I feel like that's going to do a lot more good than charging people a literal arm and a leg to get inside COP that's being hosted for the second year in a row at a country that obviously does not care about climate change. Also, another thing that you just said really struck me is that a lot of the conversations that happen in COP are, you know, conversations that maybe the average person isn't going to have access to or have time Mm. to have access to, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, if you're working, you're not going to, like, watch, you know, Joe Biden get up at COP and... Or fall asleep at COP. Did he fall asleep? He did. On God, he did. Let me Google this just to be sure. But I'm like 95% sure. Did Joe Biden fall asleep? You know what? I'm going to make that the image for this week's episode. (gasps) He did fall asleep. CNN reported it too. November 2nd, Joe Biden appears to fall asleep at Climate Summit. I mean, you're hearing the same speech for the hundredth time, probably. I'd probably fall asleep too. It's not that yeah, interesting. That's true. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> if Joe Biden is falling asleep at COP, that means it's probably a waste of his time and a waste of everyone else's time. Oh my gosh, look at this. Boris Johnson also fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, COP 27. And all no, the cops, no, no. Are we so seriously? I'm not kidding. Hey, with our environment, our atmosphere for these bozos to fly out to the UAE and fall asleep during someone's speech? No. Hey, Hannah, look, look. The food is great. And those little earbuds that translate for you, very soft spoken, really soothing (laughs) if you think about it. Who can blame him? No, I'm just kidding. Is this where our tax dollars are going to? I think think the image of our world leaders falling asleep at the discussion table about climate change should be really all the motivation that you need to go out tomorrow and and call your member of Congress, write a a letter to the editor. Yeah, get involved with a local campaign. Do whatever you need to do to not fall asleep at the table when it comes to discussing climate change. My heart breaks to watch our world leaders who are supposed to represent us. Oh, there's more people in the background of his photo falling asleep. Mm. Well, well, I guess it, it's just like a communal nap out there, you know? Yeah, just- I did not get the most interesting PowerPoint presentation that afternoon, apparently. And don't you choose which sessions you're going to? So they, like, literally fell asleep in the sessions that they chose? Yikes. Money wow. well spent, ladies and gentlemen. So I, I guess if there's anything that you could take away from this... It's that COP is really good for knowing maybe what other countries want you to think their priorities are in the climate sphere. And they can 
they can reveal a country's investments in and out of the clean energy community. But you shouldn't personally be discouraged if COP moves really slowly or, inef- or inefficiently or if people fall asleep at COP because there's plenty that you can do at home without the permission of foreign powers and big governments to make a cleaner home a reality for you. That is a <laughs> great way of putting it, Katie. I fully agree with you. You know, I would use my second favorite F word, but I'm not going to do that on the show. The show. <laughs> I'd say give the bird to these elites. And just continue to fight the fight, you know, against climate change within your small communities and doing everything that you can do personally, because that stuff matters a lot more than this kind of pageantry does. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and we've, we've said repeatedly in previous episodes that even this is my favorite example to use because I hear it all the time. Oh, well, I, I, I'm not, I don't care about who's running for president, so I'm not going to go vote at all. Really? You're going to let down your local alderman, your local school board, your, your members of Congress, your, your state legislators, all because you don't like the two guys running for president. Like people, people really lose focus of all of the things that you can do and can achieve locally when you've got cameras on these goofballs in foreign countries for two straight weeks telling you that these are the who's who of the world. Don't, let, don't be distracted by the man behind the curtain telling you that the folks at COP are the end-all be-all when it comes to being an environmentalist, because that's not true. And we know that's not true because there's only been 28 cops. Not that it would matter even if there had been 300, because at the end of the day, you choose these people who go there. So do more in your local community and do what you can there to have the ultimate say. Yep. Snaps for that. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Katie, I feel like I really enjoyed your soapbox today because I've kind of felt a vein bulging in my head with the anger I was Mm -hmm. feeling thinking about Joe Biden sleeping and all, and just thinking about the cop process in general. But I feel like you ended, you're, you're kind of ending the conversation on a really high note, you know? And I feel like that's, that's really important for, you know, young people like myself as well. I mean, and this, this is something that we've talked about in previous episodes. If this is the, maybe the tragedy of being a young environmentalist conservative, you're going to catch heat no matter where you go. And you're always going to feel like you're trapped. Mm-hmm. That's that's just the reality of it. A lot of these people at this event do not represent us. Not even as like environmental conservatives, but as young people who literally don't own anything. So there are so many layers of, I think, miscommunication and misunderstanding that we could either spend forever and a day trying to explain to these people that maybe they're not representing us accurately, or you can just go out in your community knowing that you represent you pretty accurately and making mm-hmm. a difference there. <laughs> Let's make the next cop under 40 mandatory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> cop, cop 25 forever. Yeah. Only, and, and let's fool them. This is like we the 25th cop 25. Like a wealth bracket. Like mm. you, you have to be working class to come, you know, or something like that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Stipends for anybody who makes less than six figures. Yep. You get yep, like everybody else. If you don't own a house, you get lodging free and then they give you a thousand dollars so you can go find lodging when you come home. <laughs> should we talk about action steps now let's do it take it away gang okay so as katie mentioned write your member of congress as a constituent concerned about climate change i have to tell you when i worked for the senate this was my job was to sort through the mail and the emails and the phone calls believe it or not i received zero mail postcards phone calls 
faxes even about climate change. I received nothing. And I think that's because people don't know how to do it. You can call the DC office. If you go to like your state.gov, senate.senate.gov, you'll be able to find your senator, be able to select the state, be able to talk to a congressman, or actually probably not the congressman, usually just a representative. I would also do the local office. So if you go to like, if you select on the website, the local office, you're more likely to be able to talk to someone. So absolutely talk to that person. And I, I can't stress this next part enough. When, when you call be nice, mm-hmm. don't sit there for 30 minutes and talk about how much you hate XYZ that you're a member of Congress did 20 years ago. Don't, don't do that. Please call <laughs> and be nice. Cause I've noticed working with my local offices, I think they're so used to people calling them just to scream. But if you call them, uh, seriously, if you call them and you're like a decent human being, I'm not even talking like Mother Teresa or anything. If you're just not mean, they will remember you. I get a Christmas card from my member of Congress because the folks in his office are so thankful that I don't call and like tear their head off for 30 minutes at a time. So kindness will go a long way as an environmentalist. Yep. Yep wholeheartedly i mean like think about if you're calling me i if you look at my picture on the website i'm a little dandelion that uh <laughs> is afraid of of loud dogs and you know scary sounds <laughs> and so i'm frail be nice because I, I i had some you know 45 hour and a half long conversations with people who would lo- not let up on something that i agreed with them on but I couldn't tell them I agreed with them on it because I was illegal to do that. <laughs> so. well, and, and you wouldn't call your dad and say, Hey dad, you're ugly. You're dumb. I hate you. You smell bad. Can I have $20? Like you just, you wouldn't <laughs> also, you wouldn't do it anyway. Cause you're a conservative. Go out and get a job. You bum. Um, but, <laughs> but, but for real, if you're going to ask somebody for a favor or to act in your best interest, you're not going to berate them before you ask them for the favor. Tweet us at Green Tea Party Radio Show and tell us your thoughts about COP28 and some of your favorite holiday traditions. Also, send us a photo of your cat in the Christmas card. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out to religious organizations that you're involved in. I have talked to my religious leaders so many times about climate change, and it's actually, I've been able to do quite a few things. Or if you would like to get more involved in, see what the environmental work looks like and how you can help. Like if they've already got something going, be a part of it. I mean, I, I work in the community garden at my church pretty often. It's pretty fun. So that is that so awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. And check out some of our links in the show notes and weigh in. Do the fossil fuel countries hosting COP28 have good intentions? Is it feasible for the fuel industry to tighten up for the planet? And what initiatives can the United States use to lead the way? Weigh in on social media and be sure to tag us with your thoughts. For you, our dear listener, email us with your thoughts. Our email is info at greenteapartyradio.com. Thank you for listening to Green Tea Party Radio and a very special thank you to all of our patrons. We could not do this without you. If you're interested in getting early access to episodes as well as Green Tea Party Radio merch, check us out at greenteapartyradio.com. If you have feedback, tell us what's on your mind and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And just so you know, this is our passion project. If you can't tell by the visceral, you know, vehement <laughs> sound of my voice and Katie's voice and the, <laughs> the thudding of the soapbox as we step our foots upon it. <laughs> this is just because we're a little bit angry and a little bit impassioned, but we don't have any organizational sponsors. So we're building a movement because we want to. And we want the world to know that conservatives like you, like me, and like everyone who's listening to this show have really important things to say about climate change, and we deserve a seat at the table. 
And if you want to hear our show on your college radio station, email us at infogreenteapartyradio.com and give us the details about your campus and your radio station. The email again is info at greenteapartyradio.com. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you so much again, everybody. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. Hannah, what an incredible mic drop. This is our passion project. We don't have an organizational sponsor. We're doing it because we want to. That was hardcore. That was hardcore. That was one heck of a mic drop. We're doing it because we want to. I love that. I was like, you know what? Yeah, enough said. We're doing it because we want to. Yeah, I feel bad. I actually really have to go because I've got a study meeting to go to. Good luck. Yeah, keep studying, Hannah. Good luck.